It looks like you guys just needed permission to unwind. You all been fearful and chance to come. Most of the uh, fellowships across the country are closed. We've had the archdiocese uh, call for closure of churches and I understand that, I do. During the Spanish influenza, those that didn't congregate had, especially in cities, had less of a uh, problem. But I I mean, boy, this one has really thrown me for a loop. And uh, I I was taken aback. My son uh, had a, uh, not strep, but he just had a sore throat. And I, I went to go get him some antibiotics. No big deal. And it was late at night, so I, I went to the one that closes at nine over here at Albertsons, and I walked in, and I, I was stunned. There were lines, and the shelves were empty. And I'm thinking to myself, what is your problem, people? Is there a hurricane coming? I mean, I, listen, I got toilet paper for sale if you need some. Yeah. And from now on, we're going to tithe, I guess, toilet paper. Is that what we're going to do? I'm, I am blessed to have you here, but I also want to say hello to all the folks. For the first time in uh, God Speak, we're live streaming because some folks, they're just staying home. And, and you know, listen, there are folks, uh, I would say 70 and older, I understand this because the, the concern is, you know, with fatalities, it's 70 and above. Uh, this virus across the world, I think a little over 100,000 cases, 80% of them in China, Nations that have a high propensity of tobacco use, smoking, such as Iran, China, and Italy, their elderly are being affected, and each of them, over 80%, they had some sort of lung issues prior and were previous smokers. So if you got to take a smoke break, go on out. Uh, <laughs> but, I, but for the folks that are visiting us live stream because their church is shut down or they want to just take a look at uh, what we do, Welcome. Let's all turn around, look at the camera, just wave at them. There we go. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I have to go through some announcements, and so we'll do that. We'll get into the word, but let's, let's thank the Lord for the offering. And uh, live stream folks, uh, just because you're getting it free over the uh, video doesn't mean that you can't participate in church. So send in. Yeah. Amen. Lord, we thank you for the faithfulness of your people. And we thank you, Lord, that you always meet our needs. And God, we operate in the context of fear. But you you call us to fear you and nothing else. And that's wonderful. What a peace we have. And so, God, thank you. Thank you that when we fear you, we have a peace that surpasses all understanding. Guarding our heart and our mind in Christ Jesus. And Lord, I pray your peace would fall upon this nation. You sage this fear and trepidation and replace it with the reality that our God is mighty. Lord, we thank you for our president who has called us to prayer, recognizing that when we humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, Lord, you lift us up. And so in honor of our president, but more importantly, in honor of our king, Lord Jesus, we humble ourselves And we cry out to you, Lord, and we ask that you would heal our land. God, I I see us fearful over this this coronavirus, but yet we don't seem to be afraid of, of the thousands that would die from drug overdose, those that would die from abortion, tuberculosis, alcoholism, far exceeding anything even remotely close to COVID-19, but yet, Lord, as a nation, we repent and we humble ourselves and we ask God that you would heal our land. And then we commit this to you and we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Um, well, if, you have a con- if you're new, because uh, your church shut down and you came to join us, fill out the Connect card if you're at home, don't do anything. Um, and uh, we're going to need some more ushers in time uh, because we're going to go to a third service on Easter Sunday and continue through the end of the year. So we're going to need some more volunteers. Uh, it, it, one service, if you can help, it would be, it'd be great. Uh, we're going to need folks to volunteer for ushering, security, 
children's ministry, uh, but it's, it's going to be critical that we do that. Uh, so we're going to need more ushers when we get to third service. And then the other thing is uh, the singing group that we're, we're operating with, uh, they're going <clears> to <throat> take a break until after Easter. They were going to do something for Easter, but they're, they're going to take a break. Uh, a lot of the folks that are older uh, in our congregation um, are part of that singing group. And fair enough, I, I get it. They wanted to just kind of avoid whatever the fears and concerns are. So we're going to take a break with them till after Easter. And then uh, we have Sunday prayer tonight. Come on out for that. The president has actually called us to prayer. So I've been asking you to come every week, but the president asked you now. So if you'd come out, I'd appreciate it. And there'll be worship as well. Uh, Good Friday service service uh, will be with Terry and Nancy Clark. They're coming to lead us. It's at noon. It's one hour. You'll get back to work in time. And then Easter service, we kick off our three services, 9, 1045, and 1230. And then Easter Sunday baptisms we're going to do in the evening because I won't have time to do the three services, then change and do baptisms in the third service. We're going to do the baptisms in the evening at 6. So if you want to get baptized, uh, talk to Micah or just sign up in the foyer. And that's it. Amen? Amen. All right, we're going to get in the Word. Kind of going to need a Bible. Yeah, let's do it. This is going to be an odd message. It's not, you know, following along the lines of our teachings through the book of Luke. But if you need a Bible, raise your hand. Uh, Our last two remaining ushers that... Um, so I I was going to teach through the book of Luke, but I I just, I was sickened. I I just going back and forth. I I left Friday, uh, for Charleston, South Carolina, came back Saturday, uh, flew into Atlanta, Atlanta to Charleston, Charleston, Atlanta, Atlanta, LAX. Um, I, there there was, there was a feeling in the airport, like, it, it, the last thing you wanted to even remotely do in the airport is cough. Um, I went into the, I got to the hotel at Charleston where they were doing the Turning Point USA uh, regional event. And the person, the manager behind the, the desk at the Marriott said, yeah, uh, amazing. These young people are fearless. They came out. And the only other thing we have is a wedding. And then the entire month of April, everyone's canceled. They've just lost complete business, just gone. Uh, nine, uh, um, I think 600 Delta airplanes have been grounded because there's just no traffic anymore. My wife is over in London having a great time. No lines. She's just walking through everything with Molly, and everyone's fearful. Oh, they're going to... You know what? I'll tell you what. You worry about your family, I'll worry about mine. They're having a great time, and if you want to know more about it, talk to me later. Oh, but they've shut the airports, and you can't... No, they're, they're fine. They're okay. They're okay. And, and I, I'm getting calls and concerns, and, and then the, the inundating of, of um, materials that people are sending. And then I have to fact check them. And as I start to fact check them, you know, this is a personal letter sent from a, of someone I know dearly. And I go, well, that's the exact same letter I got from somebody in South Carolina that's, uh, are you sure this is, well, they, I mean, they may have copied it. You know, and, and, but that's, so I, I process all these things. And I've been speaking with medical doctors, and, um, and I'm just marveling at how we've been gripped by fear in this country. Completely gripped. I mean, look at the church. This is a place of faith, and there's folks that are like, nah, I can't be around. <laughs> you wrap yourself in a bubble and bubble wrap and go out. I don't know. And I, I, I get it. I get this. Uh, and, and the panic. And I was, I, I, oh, probably should self-quarantine. The president didn't get it. I never had a chance to shake hands with uh, the president from Brazil or his entourage, but I was in the same room with them. Stay away. Uh, Went to Mar-a-Lago, had the privilege to meet the president. Yeah, it was really cool. Before I get into the message, I'll walk you through that because everyone said, what what happened? So I'll, I'll walk you through it. Unless you want me to get right in the message. I didn't think so. How about you folks at home? Who cares? Because <laughs> you can't say anything. Uh, this is, that's, that's me talking uh, to the president. It was, it was um, I got, let's see. 
Okay, so I'm trying to go through. So it was, it was Friday. I, was, um, I did the memorial service um, for Harold Green. And um, I was supposed to fly out of Burbank. But um, I ended up changing my ticket from LAX to Phoenix. And I was supposed to meet uh, Charlie Kirk in Phoenix. And then we were going to take a, a plane to uh, uh, Florida. So I, I get to... I'm, I'm, getting ready to go to Burbank, and I have a private uh, flight back from Florida, flying out of Miami, and I asked Charlie, uh, are you flying out of Miami? He said, no, I'm going to be flying back out of Fort Lauderdale at 7. He said, will you join me at the Nixon Library? Um, and I said, uh, well, my flight leaves at 10. I don't know if I'll be able to get there in time. So I changed my flight to go out of uh, Fort Lauderdale coming back, Fort Lauderdale, 7 a.m. And I, the only flight going Fort Lauderdale to LAX was Alaskan Airlines, so I booked that ticket. So I get to LAX, and I switch my flight southwest to Phoenix, and I park my car at the Alaskan terminal. I walk to southwest. I know I'm confusing you, but I take the flight over to Phoenix, go to two events with Charlie, meet a really neat couple that I never met before, a doctor, by the way, who's read all of the COVID-19 stuff in, in intriguing just spending three hours with somebody who was trained in this world. And then we fly uh, to, it was their jet, we fly to um, uh, 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 Florida. And this is early in the morning. Um, we get up at 6 a.m., fly into Florida, touchdown, and Charlie does a couple of book signing things, a couple of events, and then everyone uh, in the entourage, except for me, they all go to their nice hotels and I go to the Stiff Neck Inn. <laughs> and, and, I, and I put my suit on and, um, and then I, I take an Uber over to Mar-a-Lago because it's, it's time for the event. And I've got my suit on and I, um, I told a lot of you that um, Penny Foster, when, when John went to be with the Lord, I was supposed to officiate uh, John's memorial service on that Saturday, and Penny said, no, you're going to meet the president. John would want it that way. And I said, well, let me, let me uh, I'll get John's hat signed. And so she gave me his Trump hat, and I was taking it with me, and I had my Sharpie pen in my suit, and then someone gave me a book to give to him, so I'm like, and, and the countless people gave me letters, would you just give this to the president? Would you just give this to the president? Would you just give this to the, seriously, stop, Okay. But I brought the most important things, and it was a letter, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm driving in the Uber to get there, and um, my Uber driver loves the Lord. Every single Uber driver or limousine driver loved the Lord. It was really cool, uh, and a chance to share with them. And drops off, go through the Secret Service, and they say, you can't bring this in. It's a state event because the president of Brazil's here. So I, I signal the Uber driver, and he looks at me. I walk over. I go, this is a very critical um, hat. It belongs to a dear friend and this book. Can you get this back to my hotel and I'll give you a two? He goes, Pastor, no, no, no. I will do it for free. Sweetest human being ever. Drives that all the way back and leaves it because it was John's hat and I wanted to get it signed and I couldn't do it there. So I go through security and um, I'm, I'm driving with some MGM mogul sitting on the golf cart just going, hey, how you doing? I'm nobody. And we... <laughs> We get into Mar-a-Lago, and I got there before the rest of the folks did. Um, and, and I'm kind of wandering around, and I'm the only one there without money or power. <laughs> and I, I'm just enjoying it. It's kind of surreal. And I'm looking at people. And I, I don't know many of them. It was like the 200 biggest donors of the RNC had come for this event. And then all of a sudden, there's a little bit of clapter, and I turn, and I see the president walk in. And it's just, it's like, here's the president and I'm right here and he's coming in and and there's uh, Jared and Ivanka and and there's Vice President Pence and they're all coming through and um, I, I the, the president turns and I kind of step out of the way in the Secret Service and I, I bump and he goes excuse me and I said oh no I'm sorry and then Ivanka says hello and I shake her hand and that's kind of it and I thought well Charlie's not here but I got to meet kind of the president I bumped him and then they go in, and I saw uh, Vice President Pence. I said, uh, Vice President Rob McCoy, I'm a pastor out in California, and I told him about David Lane. He goes, right, 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 right. You were out with Sean uh, Spicer? I said, yes, sir. And he said hello, and then he looked tired. Uh, so he heads out, 
Um, Lindsey Graham was there. I got to shake his hand. Uh, uh, Donald Trump Jr. got to shake his hand. My favorite was uh, Tucker Carlson. It was uh, Kimberly Guilfoyle's birthday party. And so she was doing something down below um, by the pool area. And so there's a lot of Fox Network folks. And I went down there, and there was Tucker Carlson just kind of standing there. I said, hey, uh, I'm, I'm Rob McCoy. I'm a pastor out in California, also city council. He goes, you conservative? I go, yeah, I am. He goes, in California, and a pastor. He's <laughs> like, seriously, he was baffled. I go, aren't you from San Diego? Yeah, he says, I'm from La Jolla. I said, I was born and raised in Coronado. He goes, really? And we just had the greatest conversation, nicest guy, probably 20 minutes. He didn't want to be there. I didn't want to be there. It was great. We just enjoyed each other's company, but it was sweet and very personable. And then uh, Charlie and the rest show up, and then we, we go up to our table. We sit down at the table, and I'm next to some folks that are real sweet and getting to know them. And uh, Charlie says, I really want you to meet the president. I said, oh, yeah, well, whatever works out. And, and there's a component of this I can't tell you. Um, some folks may, I can't tell you. But So anyways, I'm sorry. So this is a cool part. Um, the president comes in, and Charlie stands up. And the president and the entourage starts going out towards the meal area. And uh, Charlie's trying to get his attention, but he's kind of preoccupied and goes back out. And then we think, well, we're not going to get a chance. And then the, the entourage comes through again. And Charlie says, Mr. President, he says, Charlie, hey. And, and he says, come on over here. And he goes, Rob. And so, doty, 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 doty. So I, I, I go over and, and Charlie says, um, he says, actually, I'm just to the left with the guy in the glasses. I'm talking to the president. Charlie says, um, Mr. President, this is my pastor, Rob McCoy, out, out of California. He says, California. He says, we're going to get five of those congressional seats back. I said, yes, Mr. President, we're working in three assembly seats, working for Young Kim's district, and we're mobilizing low-propensity evangelicals, pastors, to get their congregations out. He goes, that's great. I said, it's a guy named John Kruger. He's helped us out. He said, Wonderful. And then he says, uh, you know, I've turned the water back on in California. <laughs> and I said, yes, sir. And yeah, Delta smelt and all that. I'm, uh, thank you. And then Shannon Grove's name came up. I'm trying to remember the rest. So one thing I did do is I commented towards the end. I said, uh, my congregation uh, prays for you. And he says, you tell them thank you. And I said, in addition, um, I was supposed to be officiating a memorial service for a dear friend. Uh, but they ask and request that I come to this instead because they love you. And so on behalf of Penny and John Foster, I just wanted you to know uh, they're sweet folks. And he says, well, you tell them thank you for me. And he, he hit me on the shoulder, shook my hand after he'd shaken the president of Brazil's hand. <coughs> anyway. <laughs> and, and then, and then he, he grabs me on the shoulders and he, you know, he says, it's, it's really good what you're doing. Keep up the good work. Something along those lines. I don't remember. I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> no. And so, so off he goes, and Charlie goes, that's, that's a really big sign of affection when he grabs both your arms. I'm like, I wouldn't know. Uh, I just, warm fuzzies, how about that? So um, I don't know if you saw those pictures. Then I got a chance to meet a couple other folks, but this was the best thing of the night, and this is where I want to kind of leave it, and then we'll get into the message. Come back to the table, we sit down. Uh, I've been told by a number of folks that one of the greatest problems in the Trump administration from their their estimation is uh, Jared and Ivanka, that they're, they're liberals and they're a problem to the president and they're going to sway the country in a wrong direction because they're registered Democrats and blah, blah, blah. I've been hearing it from evangelicals all over the country. Oh, Ivanka's a problem. First of all, she's pretty, on the camera and in person, she's stunning. I, seriously, I, I just, I'm, a, I'm surrounded by beauty. My wife and my girls, and Ivanka Trump's beautiful. And, and, uh, and so well poised. And I, I didn't know Jared that well, never met him. And I'd hear, heard all this stuff about them. And so all of a sudden, the, the room starts dying down. Everyone's kind of going their own way. And Jared and Ivanka walk in. And Charlie says, uh, Jared, Ivanka. And they go, Charlie. And they come over to the table. And Charlie says, Rob, come here. And I walk over. <laughs> and he says, uh, Jared Ivanka, I want you to meet my pastor, Rob McCoy. And Jared says, thank you for what you do for Charlie. And I, and I, I, I just travel with him. I haven't done anything. I said, hey, that's great. He says, 
And this is what blew me away. Pay attention. This is the power of relationship. Jared says, Rob, what Charlie's done for us is remarkable. He said, we're both registered Democrats, and Charlie's totally changed us. The 20, 26, 27-year-old changed us. He said, even issues on life, to the point where we get the conservative idea because of what Charlie has, has espoused and what he stood for. And I'm, I'm kind of in awe. And then Charlie says, you give me too much credit, Jared. He goes, no, I don't. And then Charlie switches it because it seems to me Charlie just doesn't do well with compliments. He turns and he says, you know, Rob, since Roe v. Wade was enacted in 1973, there's only been one president who has participated in the March for Life, and that's been President Donald Trump. He said, and that was because Jared insisted on it and told the president he had to be there. And I think, you know, this, this young man, let's go to the picture and show Charlie. You just, you think about this guy, it starts at 18 years of age, and here he is inviting people to come over and meet the president. And he's had an effect on this. And it's simply because he stepped in. And, and I traveled to South Carolina. I'm in Charleston, and it's a room full of young people who aren't afraid. Amen. Amen. More would have been there had their parents not been, don't go. And they didn't want to shut down any of these things across the country. And, and here they are contending for the nation. And we declare a God who's mighty. And I'm watching folks like this just touch the world and change the world. And it brings me to this, this picture. And we can, uh, you can scan through them if you want. I don't know what you showed already. Uh, that's, yeah. You've already seen all these. So let's, let's go to this. I wanted to show you something for this week. And, and I wanted to talk about fear. Because I think it's a, a, an issue that we have to address right now. And especially folks listening. Um, the stock market plummeted, and, it, and, and, it, and it's based on fear. It, it's just an instrument. It's an organic instrument that operates on the context or the emotions of human beings. And a lot of you lost huge gains. You're sitting back panicking. And, and when your, your 401k dropped, you went out and bought toilet paper. <laughs> and stocked your shelves and, and did what you could to try to survive. Because it's overwhelming right now, isn't it? And, and I like what one individual said in relation to um, the stock market. Investors are motivated by two rival impulses, greed and fear. The best rule of investing, be fearful when the market is greedy and be greedy when the market is fearful. The market now is at 25% discount. It's a terrific investment opportunity, just like in 2008. Yeah. Just, <laughs> what happened between point A and point B that everyone lost all this stuff? It's just they got afraid. And, and if you want to put it into context, let me just show you um, deaths per day worldwide. What is it, 6 billion people on the planet? 330 million in the U.S.? This is deaths per day in the, in, in the world. You can see tuberculosis, 3,000 per day. Hepatitis B, 2,400 per day. Pneumonia, 2,200 per day. HIV, AIDS, uh, malaria, shigalosis, uh, rotavirus, seasonal flu, norovirus, whooping cough, typhoid, cholera, meningitis, measles, rabies, yellow fever. Name the last person you know who died of rabies or yellow fever. And then, and then you, you go into COVID-19, just before and dengue fever, yeah, chickenpox, sleeping sickness, Ebola, SARS, MERS, 56 worldwide per day, 6 billion people, and we've completely shut down the economy, grounded our airplanes, weddings are canceled, stock market plummeting, people aren't working. Number for this year, 1st of January 2020 to 25 February 2020, total births, 21 million, total deaths, 8,929,000, coronavirus, COVID deaths, 2,704, seasonal flu deaths, 
73,732 deaths caused by water-related disease, 127,000 deaths of children under the age of 5, 1,153,000 abortions. We've awarded 6,451,000 babies in this period of time. And here's what's interesting. We'll pass COVID-19 funding and the Congress will allow it as long as they can infuse it with abortion funding. What is wrong with this picture? Caused by cancer, deaths caused by alcohol, deaths caused by smoking, suicides. This is just ridiculous. And we have to put it all into context. 2,704. I mean, where are we now in the U.S. for deaths? 40 plus? 50? Oh, went up 10. 10 people overdosed in San Francisco probably in the last hour. Fentanyl deaths. We don't track any of that. COVID-19 coronavirus cases 1,329. Of course, this was put before we got to 40. U.S. deaths 38. Panic level, mass hysteria. H1N1. 60 million people got it. 12,000 died. You never heard a thing about it. No one did anything. You have been played like a fiddle. And, and oh, oh, go buy something. Quick, everyone buy something. I don't, I don't need oregano oil, but it's all that's left. It will probably... <laughs> 330 million people in the U.S., 1,700 cases of COVID-19. Likelihood, yeah, may increase. 40 deaths. Folks, we have more overdoses. I'm not saying avoid, just stop altogether. But look at, look at the, the idea of it, especially in Italy when they start to process it. One of the, the greatest Petri dishes we have to be able to study, and you look at the English Lancet Journal, Medical Journal, you observe these things that, that Japanese uh, uh, cruise ship was like a perfect lab. It's, they had the same ventilation system. We got to see who it affected. They were all breathing the same air, living in the close confines, and it's... it's the, the good news is the coronavirus doesn't really affect adversely children. It's going after adults. And older adults with lung issues who smoked like chimneys, right? Even in, even in Italy. So our response to all this has just been nothing but that. And... and Put it into perspective. The last time I checked, we're Christians. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. We just operate on fear. Fear of lies. Fear of distortion. You're manipulated. The only weapon the enemy has is lies and fear. Paralyzing. And we spread it. We spread the distortion. We spread the rumor. We spread the innuendo. And we panic. And God says, just fear me. It's the beginning of wisdom. You think about this idea of fearing God. If you fear God and nothing else, Fear the Lord. It's the beginning of wisdom. If you fear God, you don't have to be afraid of anything else. Ponder that for a minute. In, in a somewhat sparsely occupied church. If you fear the Lord, you really don't need to fear anything else. So why are we afraid of this? Why has it paralyzed us? Why has it emptied our grocery shelves? Why has it paralyzed our economy? 
and shut down our transportations and closed all these wonderful celebrations of weddings across the country and, and opportunities to visit family members. And, and people, NC2A canceled. The, the tournament's canceled. It's insane. People can laugh at me, dismiss me, and walk away. I'm probably a minority one, and they're going to make fun of me. So what? But what are you afraid of? What's your greatest fear? Is it, is it corona, COVID-19? Is that what paralyzes us? Fear is important. It's a natural part of the human condition. Fear's not a bad thing. It, it, you know, I, I remember when the kids were young and they, they go to touch something hot and I go, don't you do that, stop! And they cry. Because I caught them. And, and you go and hug them, but you go, you burn your hand if you touch that, sweetie. I was... I was I get the fear part. It's a natural condition. It's not always a bad thing. But fe- and because fear can keep us safe, fear can keep us safe, but irrational fear is dangerous. But yet the Lord says to fear God. The Word says to fear God. And I think, what does it mean to fear God? I was um, taking a look at this passage of Scripture. The Lord of hosts, him you shall hallow, let him be your fear, let him be your dread. Fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What does it mean to fear God? This is out of C.S. Lewis, um, an example of how one, what it might feel like, a description of what it might feel like to fear God as, as Lucy is talking to Aslan, who represents the Lord, Aslan the lion in the lion, the witch in the wardrobe. As Mr. and Mrs. Beaver tell the children about the great lion Aslan, they learn he is no cuddly, fair uh, tail animal. Uh, They learn that few can stand before him without their knees knocking. Young Lucy asks Mr. Beaver, is he quite safe? Speaking of Aslan, the lion, meaning God. I shall fear rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mrs. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe but he's good. C.S. Lewis would say, people often think that a thing cannot be good and terrifying at the same time. If the children in Narnia had ever thought so, they were cured of it now. So what's it like to actually come into the presence of God? What's it like to be faced with him and have this fear? It's all gonna happen to us one day. There's an inventory of people who have faced God. And this has been the result. This is how they reacted to meeting God. Abraham, Genesis 17, 3, if you want to mark it in your notes, he fell on his face. Moses hid his face. He was afraid to look upon God, Exodus 3, 6. Balaam bowed his head and fell flat on his face, Numbers 22. Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped, Joshua 5.14. Isaiah felt that he was undone, felt like he was going to just explode, just collapse in a puddly mess, uh, Isaiah 6. Ezekiel fell on his face, Ezekiel 1.28. Daniel felt like a man who had been drained of all of his strength, Daniel 10.8. And then the three disciples who saw Jesus transfigured fell on their faces and were greatly afraid, Matthew 17. And Saul of Tarsus, who would on, go on to be Paul, fell to the ground and was left blind, Acts chapter 9 and Acts chapter 22. It's terrifying to see God. People were afraid when they see God. They're paralyzed when they see God. They fall on their face when they see God. Fearing God in that way, the Bible teaches, is something like a mixture of Awesome dread and astonished devotion. Proper fear of God involves three things. But you look at this idea of a mixture of awesome dread and astonished devotion. But it's a mixture of these kind of feelings, I should say. As you saw in Isaiah, it shows us that the, the Lord you shall hallow. Him you shall be afraid. Let him be your dread. Now, that seems kind of overwhelming, this dread of God, but there's good things that come from it. 
He's not safe, but he's good. God is good. There's passages of scripture. Turn with me, if you would, to Psalm 34. Psalm 34. And I want you to look at verse 9. It reads, O fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. You see, the good thing that comes from fearing God, even though, even though he's not safe, he's good. The good thing that comes from fearing God, even though there's a dread, even though there's a reverential fear, the good thing that comes from fearing God and nothing else is that there's promises associated with it. God will provide and meet your need if you fear him. The 14 habits of miserable people in contrast to those who have faith and trust the Lord. You want to be miserable? This is one of the things they suggest. Be afraid, be very afraid of economic loss. In hard economic times, many people are afraid of losing their jobs or savings. The art of messing up your life consists of indulging in these fears. Fearing economic loss has several advantages. It balances nicely with greed and obsession with money and selfishness that even Ebenezer Scrooge would envy. Third, not only will you alienate your friends and family, but you'll likely become even more anxious, depressed, and possibly even ill from your money worries. Good job. If you have a fear of the Lord and nothing else, you're doing okay. You won't fear financial loss. The earth is the Lord's, the fullness therein. He's both all powerful and he's all good. And he's promised to provide for those who fear him. That's what you just read in Psalm 34. There's also the promise of protection. Turn to Psalm 33. The promise of protection. Look at verse 18. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. There's the promise of protection. God takes care of us. We can't avoid the possibility of danger or calamity. We can rest assured that God is with us and will hold us in his hand. He's reliable no matter how unreliable the world around us may be. I woke up this morning, I, I, I didn't have time to go grocery shopping, and besides, there's nothing left. <laughs> I really am not worried about what, what awaits me. I'm just, I, don't, I, I really don't care. It's, I have had a wonderful, it's, I've had one of the most precious weeks. It's just, it's just been a joy. I'm sad, but it's been a joy for my family and myself, God's reliable no matter if the world around us isn't. There's another promise that comes with fear. Not fear of the world, but fear of God. If you fear God and nothing else, there's a promise that comes with it. He's not safe, but he's good. And the goodness of fearing God, and that's reverential fear. The fear of God and nothing else comes promises, and there's a promise of purity. Look at Psalm 103. Turn to that. By the way, these psalms were written, most of them by David, who vanquished foe after foe and faced insurmountable odds, but was never afraid, because he had a fear of God and nothing else. Psalm 103, in verses 12 and 13. As far as east is from the west, and this is a good passage, pay attention. As far as east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. You know, one of the struggles in a time of crisis where the world is imploding and everything becomes unsure, we start feeling guilty. 
Like here comes the judgment. We have guilt caused by sin. We have this unbelievable fear of punishment. And we know we're, gonna des- we're deserving what we're going to get. And all you can think in chaos is, I'm going to be the first to go because I got sin. And the guilt that just in- envelops you in times of crisis. And I have to tell you something. God doesn't work that way. He's cast your sin as far as the east is from the west to be remembered no more. This is a promise of purity. God has cleansed you. It's righteousness. This fear of judgment is completely gone. You put your trust in the Lord. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. But when you put your trust in the Lord, he's cast your sin as far as the east is from the west to be remembered no more. I want to emphasize this. A lot of you know it. Some folks are hearing it for the first time. If you leave the North Pole and you start traveling south, when you hit the South Pole, you're now traveling north. When you go east, you never reach west. That's how far he's cast your sin. Rest in that. It's a promise of purity. Fear God and nothing else. When you fear God and nothing else, comes a promise, mm, this is a good one. Comes a promise, mm, this is a good one. Comes a promise, mm, this is a good one. Turn to Psalm 128. <clears throat> Psalm 128. For those of you who were fearful and didn't bring your Bibles this morning, no, I'm kidding. You should have grabbed one. You could have used it as toilet paper. I remember hearing, uh, hearing a Gideon uh, presentation. The guy was in an, in an English prison. They'd given him a Gideon Bible, a New Testament, had the onion skin paper, and it was perfect for rolling cigarettes. And he said, so I took one of the Gideon Bibles, and he said, I smoked through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and halfway through, he said, halfway through John, I received the Lord. <laughs> God works with us. Psalm 128 is the promise of prosperity. And it says, blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. When you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy, and it shall be well with you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house. Your children will be like olive plants around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. Fear God and nothing else. Makes for a wonderful family. What are you afraid of? And why are you afraid? It's irrational. And then the fear triggers the fear. And it just gets into this spiral. And you start getting anxiety. And God just says, trust in me. I have this. This promise of prosperity. God loves to bless his people. You trust in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Your life will not exactly be easier, but the midst of the trials, it's going to be good. He'll work it together for good. He always does. He promises that. Here's another promise that comes with the fear of God. Turn to Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs 10. Verse 27, the fear of the Lord, this is a good one, pay attention. The fear of the Lord, really good one, pay attention. The fear of the Lord prolongs your days, but the, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. Want to live a long time? Fear God and nothing else. You want to live a short time? Concern yourself with all selfish matters. Go and hoard for yourself. Look out for number one. Don't serve anybody. Just just make it all about you. Take, Take everything that the elderly can't get on the store shelves and make sure they're in your house. 
Go stock your shelves. Make it all about you. If I sound angry, I am. People's lives are shortened because their wayward behavior shortens their life, their selfishness. God promises a long life to those who are just other-centered. They fear God and nothing else. That leaves them with the, the fearlessness in the world. God hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. I can travel anywhere. I'm immortal until God's done with me. Enjoy life. Don't be paralyzed by fear. I'm not saying be stupid, but I'm certainly saying don't operate in this context that grips you. Then we're almost finished. This is where we come. Turn to Psalm 103, if you would. This is a promise that comes with fearing God. And I love this because it was made true this week as my son and I walked through Albertsons. The lines were to the back of the aisles I was looking, I, I've never seen this in all my life. I'm just stunned. And we, we went over to the pharmacy where there wasn't a line, got our medication, let, oh, and they were out of antibiotics. I can only give you six pills. I'm like, what is going on here? I'm, I'm watching this in my, in my hometown. And I get his antibiotics, I have to fly out the next morning. The airports were crazy. Seriously, just tension. I'm like making people laugh, trying to get them to giggle a little bit. Even, even the, the, the attendants and everybody just, in, what do we do? And I, I love that my son got to witness, son, I guess this is a God-induced vacation. Everyone come home from school. Let's just play Yahtzee and enjoy our time. Maybe God just wants us to put our phones down for a season. I don't know. Praise the Lord. But I love Psalm 103 because when you fear God and nothing else, look at verse 17. The mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to his children's children. I'm looking at Micah and Molly in the midst of this COVID-19 outbreak. Molly's in London. Micah's got the three kids. <laughs> He's running out of Elliot's breast milk. And the only thing I'm thinking is, ah, we can refrigerate ship it from Molly if they quarantine her in London for 30 days. Yeah, it, and, and the kids are having a blast. Micah, the pictures of the kids playing in the bathtub and just the joy. It's like there's no fear in their house. There's no fear in my house. And it goes down generationally. And the joy, the joy that comes. Fear God and nothing else. Our biggest fear is our children's safety. My wife and my daughter are in London. And me laying awake worrying doesn't do them any good. I am praying and going to bed and putting the problem in God's hands. You got them, Lord. And they're, they're having a blast. No lines. I've never seen London like this. It's unbelievable. <laughs> We're afraid of our children. We helicopter parent them. And, and we, we keep video monitors of the children when they're sleeping. <clears throat> Somehow we're better at watching over them than the Lord is. We can't sleep until our, get, our kids get home safe. I get that. I've been there. There's times, though, where the Lord just says, your worry's not doing any good. You're tired. <clears throat> Why don't you go to bed? You're going to be a better parent in the morning if you get some sleep. I'll take the watch. Oh, no, I, I really feel like I need to worry. This is helping. <laughs> a matter of fact, I'm going to call some people and have them join me in my worry. Just build that anxiety. Just really make it tense. <clears throat> Our children watch that. And they're, oh, mommy's upset. Daddy's upset. I, I guess I should be upset. 
I don't know why I have a rash and everyone in the family does. <laughs> Fear God and nothing else. Fear God and nothing else. The biggest benefit of all when you fear God and nothing else, you never need to be afraid of anyone else, anyone or anything else if you fear God. If God is for me, who can be against me? We'll close with this last one. And this is out of Luke chapter 12. And I I had a radio program years ago that I I called, I wanted to call it the Odd Sparrow because I loved it. And it comes out of Luke chapter 12. Turn with me, if you will, to that. Verse 4, Jesus speaking. He says, I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. And after that, have no more that they can do. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him, meaning God. Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins? And not one of them is forgotten before God. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, You are of more value than many sparrows. Five sparrows, two two coins. You get two sparrows for one coin, four sparrows for two coins, and they throw in a worthless odd sparrow. That fifth sparrow doesn't fall from the sky without God's full knowledge. And every hair on your head he has numbered. He loves you with an everlasting love. You've been created in his image. He has laid out his word. He has given you his promise. He has commanded you to fear God and nothing else. And with this will come wisdom. With this will come blessing. With this will come this joy. You don't have to fear anything else. Proverbs 8, 31. If God is for us, then who can be against us? No one and nothing. And I am so glad you're here fellowshipping in that little tiny viral creature is submitted to God. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Fear God, pray to him. People say, oh, pastor, there's more than that. You need to apply medical, you need to be fearful. If God shows us and gives us wisdom and discernment and we understand this virus and we separate and we do 250 people and we, hey, he gives us wisdom. He's given us a brain. We do that. But irrational fear and what we've been enveloped by, we've been played like a fiddle. Keep keep this country in prayer. Because the one thing that's really good out of all this, it's made us realize we're really not that strong in our faith. It's time to call upon the name of the Lord. So, be prayerful this week. Continue to lift the president up, the nation. Um, We're going to have to get this economy back up and rolling, get industry working. And so, pray. Pray without ceasing. Fear the Lord and nothing else.